podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Football Fanalytics Podcast in association with 23. This is the show that explores the ever-growing world of football analytics and takes on the many tactical and topical discussions within the game. This is episode 44 and after a little break we are back. My name is Ryan Bailey and joining me, you'll be glad to hear that there's only one person on this podcast this week, no guest, it's Mark Carey. Mark, how are you? Good, yeah, I don't know if people will be glad to hear it, but I'm sorry, <laughs> you're stuck with just us two. Um, it's basically just us, which which is, you know, for the last two episodes, we've had a guest on to, you know, to fill the gap. And now we've actually got to fill an episode, like the good old days, if you will. <laughs> well, we, yeah, we like to mix it up. But yeah, mm. mate, episode 44, almost at a half century, which I think is, is good. Six episodes off a half century. To be fair, I think that we, I think we said a while back that, we could confidently get to episode 50 before the end of the calendar year because we've been so busy with our respective jobs that's actually quite a <laughs> difficult target so we've we're up against it that. now yeah i thought we'd comfortably do that by august yeah <laughs> and then Backs against we're in the, the winter wall. months and still haven't uh, haven't got to episode 50 yet but you know we like a challenge on the football analytics podcast so you know we we've still got time i think 21st of october at the time yeah. of recording we'll, we'll see we'll see if football clubs can cram in about 10 games in the Christmas period, I think we can cram in six more episodes after this one uh, before Christmas. So, yeah, we, we, I'm confident. I'm confident. Mate, yeah. Have you been anyway? Challenge accepted. Um, yeah, been good. Been very busy. I suppose we've both been quite busy with our with our jobs, haven't we? But um, no, all good. There's been a lot of football to, to talk about, to report on, um, on the pitch and off the pitch, certainly. So, yeah, a lot going on in the football world, but um, all's well. All's well. How have you been? Good, good, good. I've also had an extra um, curricular thing that I have had to consider in, into my football life. Obviously, work is very busy at the moment. And then we're off watching football, watching Champions League, Premier League, international break. There's also been the release of FIFA 22, which, uh, as listeners will know from my frequent references to EA Sports' number one game, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan. And I never, I didn't actually like um, FIFA 21 too much. I, I, I fell out of love with it a little bit. But then FIFA 22 come out and obviously you have to buy the game just to see what's going on. And I was absolutely astonished, Mark, to see on, on my first game of Ultimate Team when I when I played. And obviously, you know, you've played FIFA before. You're not quite as into it as I am. But <laughs> when you finish a game, you know, normally it comes up with like the match stats and it'll it'll say, you know, shots on goal, shots on target, you know, possession, Um and then, you know, and it, it shows goals. both teams, doesn't it? Side-by-side side goals, obviously. Um, I think, you know, fouls and yellow cards has always been a, a prominent one. But I was I was astonished to see, mate, you, you'll love this. There's a completely new in-depth uh, analysis of the game straight away that comes up after. It's not even like you have to go and find it as if you're interested. It, it comes up as the first thing post-game. And on it, I, I was amazed. You, you, you have six different categories, I think, within... It's basically got possession... Attacking, uh, passing, uh, you know, defending, blah blah blah, goalkeeping. But but within it, it shows almost like visualizations. So on the possession one, the first thing you you can flick through your players, and there's like a possession heat map, or you can go to the passing column, and it shows 
uh, passing. Each player gets a pass map, or you can do the whole team pass map. It's it's right. like a it's like an analytics dream, mate. And it yeah. also had expected assists on there. I could not believe it. I thought they'd throw expected goals in because obviously that's become so popular now. But they had expected assists. Um, each player's you know possession percentage out of the whole team everything it's gone really in depth and I just thought that's for for um, the most mainstream football game in the world it's pretty impressive that they've gone down the route of trying to incorporate more stats and yeah. and uh, and analysis I guess yeah I mean I'll have to give you a game sometime I know that of all the people that I know you probably are the person who loves FIFA the most I'd say so I have to give you <laughs> that's a, a good thing or not it's a compliment yeah I mean uh, no I'll have to give you a game sometime I didn't know that it was quite that in depth I'd heard that they'd added XG um, but yeah. I didn't know about all the other stuff as well but I, I do genuinely really want to see this um, but I do think it's an interesting point that you think about the sort of the next generation almost you're talking mm. about analytics and how it's it's sort of growing that's the whole point of our podcast etc but there's going to be obviously people who are, you know, 10, 12 years old who are going to be just seeing this as just part of their footballing experience almost. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's quite interesting that, you know, you project it to like 10 years time. People are going to, this is going to be part of the kind of the football language far more than it is now and it's already growing. So I just think that's interesting from that perspective. The thing about XG I'd heard is that apparently it's really unrealistic that you might have like 5.4 XG against... 3.7 and it was like a nil nil draw yeah. <laughs> i don't know how true yeah. that is but that's what i, I could, well I, it, I was gonna say something similar I, I can't speak to the accuracy of it it's more <laughs> that i like the attempt but but i mean yeah i mean fifa is a, obviously an incredibly high scoring game anyway I, I can't remember the last time I, I was in a gritty one nil win or something like every game is about <laughs> six four or something like that but the xg then becomes about 13 or something yeah. but but it's fun nevertheless the thing i genuinely quite enjoy about it is i like a pass map anyway but you can kind of get an idea slightly of how you've played by looking at each individual player's pass map so for instance i play a sort of a three at the back wing back three in midfield two up top system because I'm right. terrible at defending so I always have to have three at the back mm. and in games where I'm quite dominant my centre-backs pass maps are all, all, always quite full because I, I play around quite a bit and then mm. I try and try and knock it knock it through but then games where I've been completely turned over it's a very different prospect which I know is how football analysis works but what I'm saying is when you've just played a when you've played a game of FIFA you you never really analyze how your game was you just quickly quit and then play the next mm. one but it's quite interesting to have an have a way of looking more in depth at how you've played basically which you know as someone who's part of a uh, a football analytics podcast is 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 very good news i would say nice yeah well mate that's what analysis is for if it can give you a little edge to help you in the next game or throughout your season then it's worthwhile so if you start going through the leagues and you're suddenly in Division One, you've got analytics to thank yeah. you. I mean, there's still like you come up against some like you know twelve year old who's probably playing halfway across the world who's like doing rainbow flicks and you know belting it from forty yards. So we're not quite there yet, right. but room you know, for progress. Room for progress. It's the first step, and we certainly can't complain with that. Uh, and I guess on that note, we should probably crack on with talking about this week's topic, shouldn't we? <laughs> Yeah, I thought you were going to say, and on that note, we should probably get a game of FIFA going. <laughs> we should, next time we should live record a game of FIFA oh and God. see how that goes. Yeah, yes. when we're really desperate for content, we'll do that. Get on um, Twitch. Yeah, love it. Um, no, oh, okay. Yeah, who would let's, watch that? Okay, no, let's know. see. Let's, let's move start on. the Come episode. On. Okay then, Mark. So this topic today is something that you've had in mind for the last couple of weeks. 
uh, and we always knew it was going to be around this time that we'd release it. So why don't you tell the listeners what we are talking about today? Yeah, well, hopefully people will find this kind of as interesting as I do. And I think that I'm preaching to the choir, I guess, for, for most of this part. But I think it's a perfect time to do this episode. It's a really good opportunity to to speak about it. But we're going to be talking about sample size, but obviously specifically sample size within football, but also why it's important to to think about that. And if there is a small sample size, how we can kind of overcome that or at least get around it to try and infer things about, you know, the game um, and try to, to better understand what's going on. It doesn't mean that just because there's one game played that we can't draw conclusions, but sample size the context is key as we keep coming back to but yeah. sample size is a key part of that it's been a while since i've heard you say context is key so i'm uh, <laughs> i'm glad we're back on that train um I, I guess so yeah i mean i guess my initial thoughts of what we're talking about then is if i score a 50 yard worldy you know half volley sails into the top corner off one shot just because it happened to be the best thing i've ever done in my life and then you ask me to do that you know 10 more times I wouldn't be. I wouldn't do it in the next ten times, would I? I guess is that the point? It's. It's. You can't take. You can't call me the best player in the world because I've scored the best goal in the world just off one shot that happened once. Is that sort of what we're on about? Yeah. No. It's exactly that. And I think it's. It's just reducing everything down to kind of as you say there in terms of the probability of that happening. The more information that you have in anything, it, you know, the our world is now filled with data, whether that's in football or otherwise. But. In order to, to draw conclusions and reliable conclusions, you need to have a lot of information or data to go from to make those conclusions or be more confident when you're making those conclusions. And that's essentially all that we're talking about here in terms of sample size. I think that it's been used more, I've heard it more used in like mainstream media and people saying like, oh, that's all the trend that everyone's saying now, sample size. And I think that it's kind of crept in in recent year or two just that kind of phrase sample size a little bit. And it's yeah. not to say that not everyone knows what it is. It's fairly straightforward to understand what it is. But I think let's dig into it a little bit more and just say, just, yeah, say why we need to, to think about it and consider it. Well, I was going to say, I, I, I think most people probably know what sample size is, but I guess with certain statistics that are thrown out, it, it's, to, it's to know why they might be misused, isn't it? I guess it is, is probably the point we're making. As opposed to what sample size actually means, because it's obviously, you know, within the within the title. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to spend this whole episode explaining what sample size means. We've done it and like, <laughs> let's move on sort of thing. But yeah, I think it's, you know, our whole podcast is trying to get people who may not be of the analytics persuasion to, to kind of be a bit more accepting of it. Or, you know, the whole time we've said that we sit somewhere in the middle between the, the hardcore analytics side and the more general uh, fan. But if anyone's kind of listening to this podcast, I feel like they've already kind of accepted that bit. And for those who are kind of a bit more accepting of statistics in general, that's kind of great. We've almost accomplished that part of the, the mission, so to speak. But there's obviously another stage of it now. So if people are like, oh, yeah, I really like the idea of statistics in football. I'm going to start using it myself. This is where you kind of people feel the need to step in and say, OK, yes, do. But you need to consider all these factors as well, because if you are just saying based off one game that Bruno Fernandes is the best player in the Premier League, statistically speaking, like he may be over a larger sample size, but basing that on one game, far too small a sample size to go from. So people do tend to, you know, you see things a lot on Twitter, don't you, to say that, let's say Bruno Fernandes, he made seven key passes, nine yeah. through balls, 
12 crosses, six tackles, all this. And you just, so what? Like, that's my instant reaction is, okay. So you, you can't misuse or abuse the use of statistics. You need to consider them within the wider context. And sample size is a key part of that. Well, I guess a great example is, remember we mentioned it was a good few episodes back, so a good few weeks back, uh, Paul Pogba with assists. Yes. You know, he had seven assists from what, like three games or something. So everyone's like, well, by the end of the season, he's going to have about 59 assists. Mm-hmm. But yet, however many weeks on, we're still he still has seven assists. There hasn't been one since, as far as I know. So, you know, that the longer that continues, by the end of the season, if he doesn't get another assist again, all of a sudden, it's a very small amount for a season, isn't it? So that sample size is exactly what you take from it, right? Yeah, no, it's exactly that. And the, the phrase that I sort of, or the, the example that I often give to people in terms of trying to work out in, the, in a simple form, who maybe don't like football quite as much as me, is like if I asked you to just like screw up that, screw up a ball of paper and throw it in the bin and ask you to do it 10 times, you might do it six times out of 10, pretty good return. So I, I would say that 60% of the time you can throw it like straight in. But then I ask you to do it 100 times, maybe you'll do it 23 times. Okay, that rate's 23%. And then I ask you to do it 1,000, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You start to get a more accurate view of how good someone is at something or how frequently they can you know, do a certain action. Mm. Then, yeah, the more, I come back to it. The more information that you have on a topic, the more reliable your conclusion can be. So... Um, yeah, the Pogba example is is a perfect one. And you just see that the longer the season goes on, you start to understand, yeah, especially when we spoke about expected assists as well in terms of his underlying numbers. And then that, the larger the sample size we have in both of those, the more they start to align. And that goes the same with, with goals and expected goals. And we can come on to that in a bit. I actually have a perfect example. I had this very thing. Uh, you remember in lockdown in early March 2020 <laughs> when everyone was taking on home challenges? Um, yeah. I fully, with my brother uh, and partner, we remember they were all trying to kick ball. Professional football was trying to kick balls into things. We we like stuck a bin in a tree, like it was you know stuck a bin in a tree and thought right what we'll do we'll video this and then get on the trend of you know if Trent can do it in his garden why can't we? Um, and I'm not kidding. I hadn't clicked record and I was like I said to them right this is the game we're going to kick this ball in that bin and then we'll hopefully get one. Uh, first one to do it wins and I did it I did it first time I'm not even lying I did it first time but we hadn't clicked record so I was like oh well okay we'll we'll, we'll clearly do it three yeah. hours later we were still there trying to do it and but I'd done it on the very first attempt and yeah. uh, and it took we, we we had to do it we had to do it again because we couldn't be like well we did it but you know and did you ever record. eventually do it oh yeah I've got the evidence as well that I'll, I'll stick it on Twitter and Instagram it was uh, one of the proudest moments of my life it just looked like a moment from them but it took a very long time to be fair I didn't have one recently and it's almost now that I've almost imagined it in my head but I'm certain that it happened that I must have been about like 12 or 13 or something and I was just, it was just you know when you're just being a stupid kid and I was just kicking a ball about with a mate kicking a football about in a tennis court just because we were just being stupid but there was also a basketball net and you can already see where i'm going with this there yes. was a basketball net at the far side of the tennis court and we were just like messing about and then i was like we weren't kicking the ball anywhere near the basketball net and i was like right watch this you're just being like an idiot right kicked it towards the basketball net bang straight off the basket straight off the backboard straight in the net and i was like <laughs> running around the tennis court for ages and i was like oh, i'm well good at this so again you have that inflated idea that 
this is yeah. actually what I'm like. And I was like, I'm really good at this. So we spent like the rest of the evening doing it or trying to do it. And I didn't do it from Never then did it on again. in. Obviously didn't do it from then on in. And like even like a few like days, weeks after, I was like, every time I was near it, I had a little go in it. And then there was a field behind us and I was just booting it into the next field by accident. But you do have, you know, you, I, I come back to it, like it's, it has a serious tone to it. You draw conclusions over the information that you had. So for that one shot, I drew a conclusion that I was amazing at kicking a football in a basketball hoop. Obviously I wasn't. But it's, you know, it, it's those stupid examples that, that are true. It's that misuse or abuse of statistics. And, you know, I come from a research background where we'd collect a wide data set ourselves um, to, to run experiments, to draw inferences and to draw conclusions about, well, it's about the wider population because obviously I did psychology, right? Um, and we always say that we need more participants within our sample because how are we supposed to, you know, draw conclusions about the, the whole population based on a select few? That doesn't make sense. So the closer yeah. you are to, to sort of reality, the better. The more information you have, the more conclusions you can make. 100%. And yeah, I know we're not the first ones to obviously talk about this topic or cover this point. It's been covered obviously widely. Um, it's actually something that was covered by um, Sam Maguire, friend of the pod, obviously works for 23. I don't know if I told you, Ryan, but we are <laughs> in association with 23. I somehow got that in. Brilliant work from me. Um, I think it can come from anywhere. You just don't know where it's going to come from. You just don't know when the next one's going to come from. Um, but no, he, he made a really good point. And I, we'll, we'll include the, the link in the bio. But it was it the whole topic of this article was why sample size is important in football analytics. And I only sort of dug this out, having thought about it, kind of having starting to make notes on, on this episode mm. so I almost forgot that he'd done a whole piece on it but it's, it's obviously really useful and we will include it um, in the bio but he just he makes some really good points in it you know we've covered most of them but I'm just going to quote one section from it and he sort of said it's no longer an underground society uh, in terms of football analytics and people don't have to hide the fact they're interested in this side of the game anymore however with more stats now publicly available People with no experience of using them are able to cherry pick stats and manipulate them to suit narratives and agendas, which I think is really important, actually. So he also says, mm. analyzing a player over a large period of time takes those hot streaks and poor patches into account. It helps to paint a fairer picture of a player. So obviously, when we're talking about it now, the reason that it's it's so relevant now is that we're eight games into the Premier League season. Of course, still early stages in terms of all of the uh, leagues across Europe, across the world. That that that's why it's relevant, right? We're we're not even ten mm. games into the season, so, so so there may still be some teams who are on a really really good run of form, really really bad run of form. Uh, examples might be. Norwich City, they've played some of the top teams in the league. They've got all yeah. of their fi hard fixtures out of the way by the looks of, of it. You know, some of them away to some of the top teams. And the reason that they are doing so bad, the, the conclusion that we draw there is that Norwich City are rubbish. They've only got, I think, one point, maybe two points now, actually. Um, and, you know, they can't buy a goal. That's true to some extent. But the context and the, the, the reason behind that is that it's a small sample size and they've played some difficult team so why don't we see how they get on once they played everyone once so do you know yeah. what I mean you bring all those things into account and poor patches and and hot streaks for some players or teams need to be taken into consideration well it's the same with um, Arsenal at the beginning of the season isn't it they lost the first three games bottom of the table and Spurs were at the top of the table at That's one point right. and that was quite a funny funny interaction between those fans but you know it will probably even itself out won't it along the season and both clubs will probably find themselves around the eighth 
placing the table mark somewhere because once they've played every team, etc., etc., it will yeah. it will even itself out. Yeah, I, I love this. This is like with great power comes great responsibility, isn't it? Basically, like don't don't use don't misuse the sample size. Like give it give it its fair due. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I, I think that so a lot of writers that I've been working with have sort of said you know early on in the season like why is this why is why is this happening why isn't this happening. And it, without sort of avoiding doing my job, I, I did just say sometimes, like, it, it's just because they've just had a couple of games where they've not done so well. Yeah. Or, you know, the keepers had an absolute great game. Like, it, it, trying to infer what might have happened based on the numbers just isn't appropriate at, at this stage. Yeah. So even now, after eight games, we're starting to get closer where we can, but two, three games in, waste of time. Well, that's a good question, actually. It, you know, wh- when is an appropriate time? Do you think what is? I guess this is a hard question to answer, but but when is enough games to start drawing conclusions? Would you say? You know, something comes to mind here in terms of like manager sackings or something. You know, when Frank de Boer lost his job at Crystal Palace, he lost his job after four games. So, so when is a when is a good time to start drawing conclusions? Basically, if there is one. Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. I think that that Crystal Palace example as well was just absurd that he just I know that, I, that they hadn't got a single point had they at that stage but to no. to sack him after that few games was just far too premature but again was there anything in the underlying numbers that looked a bit more in depth there probably didn't even do that but anyway to answer your question I think it is an interesting one there's been a few things that I've seen fairly recently kind of on that um, there was an interesting uh, visualization or graph from um, James York, who works for Statsbomb. People might be familiar mm-hmm. with his work, um, and it basically looked at the variation. It was given an example with with expected goals, but I think it's the same principle for at the team level for you know any metric. But it it looked at it in terms of the number of match numbers and the sort of the metric as well, and that yeah. volatility also like how sort of how much variation there is between games. How much up and down. How much up and down, yeah. How much variation there is between between the first sort of five games was massive. And then between five really? and ten games, it was big, but started to settle down. And then from ten games onwards, which is why I wanted to get this episode in before we reached the tenth game, yeah. from ten <laughs> games onwards, let's say ten to fifteen onwards, you start to get a bit more kind of patterns start to... to you know, come out and things start to settle a little bit at the team level. So, you know, you almost think of, I know that Brighton were a bit of a a bad example last season. They seem to be quite unlucky across the whole season. And you get that sometimes. And that was why it was noteworthy. But rarely mm. do you get teams who are, in terms of, let's say, conceding goals against their expected goals, that rarely do you get a team who's really, truly unlucky across 10 to 15 games consistently. Yes, they might have three yeah. or four where they've gone, you know, again, a bit of a poor run, a purple patch if they're good or a poor run if they're, if they're not so good. You, you think about that as sort of a collection of five, maybe to 10 games. So it kind of matches what you think when you think of the narrative when you're you know, watching football. But statistically speaking as well, 10 to 15 games onwards, that starts to settle. Um, but it also there was an interesting point within that of kind of people then saying, okay, so like 10 to 15 games, is that you know what you do? And he, he made an interesting point that it's also useful to, to look at trends over time as well so kind of roll things from the previous season as well which is what I've been very careful of doing in my work of like when people are asking me for the narratives I'm like well it's important to look at where they've come from last season as well yeah. to see where they've kind of picked up because you know you think of a team finishing in the Premier League their 38th game final game of the season that's in what May 
and then they play again their first game of the season in August. Okay, yeah, you know, you can make transfers. There's new opposition because there's promotion teams, etc. But that's actually a smaller distance in time than comparing them in their first game in August compared to them in like April of the following season. But you're yeah, lumping yeah. that all together in a season. So why why are we putting them in buckets just because obviously it, it's that season? I just think it's interesting to look at trends over yeah. time and go to obviously previous seasons. It's not a clean that. slate, is it? It's not necessarily that everything's wiped and you all of a sudden become a new team. Exactly. It, you can still throw back to what happened 10 games before. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that. that's really so interesting. It's, it's really starting good point. to just get that trend over, over a longer period of time and just see, yeah, what is it now? But what was it? And how has that changed? So I think it's just, again, we come back to it, it's wider context. But if you don't have many games to go from, you know, I told you about these writers asking for, you know, the data in the first three games, you can start to look back and then you can start to, you know, then you've got a wider sample size. So it all comes back to that would be my long-winded answer to your question, Ryan. It was a very enjoyable long-winded answer. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so here's the question then. We've obviously been discussing mostly sample size in relation to judging teams and trends and stuff. But how can we look at this from a point of how good a player is or, or you know, from like a recruitment perspective? So for instance, if a player has like a really good World Cup, say, and then all of a sudden they get bought by a massive club and then they become a massive flop because they had a great tournament, but actually they weren't a very good player. I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head. but Well, before you actually, actually fully ask your question, my example that always springs to mind for me is James Rodriguez. Uh, yes! After he had a World Cup. tip of the tongue, 2014. Yeah, yeah, exactly that, mate. And then he went to Real Madrid. Did he and... fool us with what a world beater he actually was, do you think? Well, he was already a good player. I mean, he was at Monaco and he was at Porto before that. So it wasn't like he'd come from completely nowhere and he was playing in a you know, a farmer's league. But, well, although French League has renowned, renowned as a farmer's league, but um, he had <laughs> he had got that sort of dream move that was fast-tracked, should we say, off the back of a World Cup. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, that was, that was an example. What was your question? Is Andy Carroll a good example of that as well, Mark? Because he had obviously like an absolute belter of a season at Newcastle, didn't he? And then yeah. got his move to Liverpool for 30 million. And I know, you know, he's been a very injury-struck man. But is he an example of kind of someone who got fast-tracked and then hasn't really worked out? Yeah, no, he absolutely had to sort of go off that point. It wasn't even a full season that he'd had an amazing season. He had half, he mm. bought, we, Liverpool bought him in the January. And uh, and that was after he'd had, I think he'd scored maybe like eight in, I don't know, 13 games or something. But he was on a, a really good run of form. Um, so it was that first mm. half of the season, which essentially he kind of lived off for the next few years, to be honest, because he was never really prolific after that. He was always just a different option. Well, even now we talk about Andy Carroll, don't we? It's always like, oh, Andy Carroll hasn't been renewed his contract. So it's like, well, yeah, but he was only good about 10 years ago. I know. But anyway, that's beside the point. But do you see what I'm trying to ask in terms of the, how, how do we judge? What, what's a good amount? Is it like a minutes thing? How much they've played? You you judge them a certain amount of time they've had on the pitch or or do we judge it by seasons? What's the best way of looking at that? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think that, I guess there's no set way. It depends from a club perspective, I suppose, how much you kind of want to risk what information you've gathered of then drawing the conclusions. So some some teams might want to take a little bit more of a risk and think, okay, a season's worth of data I can go from and, you know, let's go for it here because I, I really do back this player to, to come good for us. He'll fit in our system or whatever. Some it might be they'll look at them for a number of years and that's sort of okay too. I think... It's an interesting point on the minutes thing because we've had Felix on the, the podcast before, looks good on paper. 
um, mm. in one of our early episodes. But his model was based on, uh, if I'm not mistaken, one of his early models was simply on minutes played. And I think it's an interesting yeah, one yeah. because the availability, it's not the be all end all. We know that and Felix is the first to say that. But it, that availability, I think, is crucial. Aside from them, you know, they might be in a hot streak of scoring form, whatever it might be. But for certain players, it's really, really important that they have that availability. So you come to think about things like injury, but all of the other things that come with it. Minutes played, I think, is a good proxy, a very good like, initial tool to see how likely the player is going to actually be able to play for your team as well. Before you even then dig mm. into to how their actual performance is, because you know you need to be available to be on the pitch and to, to perform for the team. Yeah, 100%. I mean, so I guess then there's no necessarily definitive answer in terms of what's the right amount of time to give someone to see how they perform until you take the leap of faith, basically. It's it's how how risky your club is, which I guess, you know, can go both ways, can't it? You know, didn't Liverpool buy Dominic Solanke? And then he just never quite worked out after a good... Stop slating Liverpool's recruitment. Liverpool's Sorry. recruitment is one of the best in the world now. It just wasn't as good in previous years. But yeah, 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 you're right. There is no definitive answer, but it, it just nicely loops back to what we said at the start, that the more information that you have on any topic, any metric, the more information you have, the more reliable you can be in your conclusions. So that is why it's crucial to think about sample size, especially early on in the season, even more so at the player level, but also at the team level. I guess you can't also just wait till someone's 36 and be like, well, they've had a good career. We can probably take a <laughs> yeah. chance on them now. Yeah. <laughs> They're 36. Yeah. Also true. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot to this. You've got to get a lot of things right. Sometimes you've got to take a risk on someone anyway. <laughs> but yes, sample size equals good, basically, is what I'm trying to say, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Thank to you. sum up, glad you've been sample listening. size equals good. Yeah, I'm glad all my hard work's paid off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's basically a conclusion I take from every single episode. Something equals good, something equals bad. Yes, thank you, thank you. I promise much. I am learning things. Anyway, <laughs> that feels like a good place to stop. Uh, <laughs> that, I really enjoyed that. That was good. That was good. Um, definitely feels like a good place to wrap up. But I guess something we would like to say, Mark, just before the end of the episode, is that we've had some great messages from listeners uh, who've asked some very good questions. So I feel like in the next episode, hopefully we'll have some time in the next week and not be overwhelmed with working lives, but we can explore some of the uh, some of the messages that we've had in a, in a Fanalytics mail. And, and are uh, you going to answer them this week or, or next week? <laughs> yeah, when I say we, you can look at them right. and I'll, I'll tee them up. The royal um, we. So yeah, definitely, listeners, we thank you for sending in your messages and uh, questions. We're going to explore a few of those next week. But also, for those who haven't yet sent in a message or uh, a request or a question, you need to know where to do so. You can get in contact <laughs> with us. We are on Twitter and Instagram at FanalyticsPod. We've also got an email address, which is fanalytics pod at gmail.com so please do feel free to get in touch with us let us know what your thoughts are on sample size if it equals good uh, i imagine <laughs> hopefully you all will think so um in the meantime mark i guess we will see everybody next time thank you very much sports social podcast network